0: Welcome. This is it. We have over a decade of episodes unpacking stories and life to help you discover your purpose, your divine design, and what you are wired to do. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt. Please subscribe on YouTube or subscribe to Girlfriend It so we can be in it together. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt and I will be the host of your show today and excited to have Denisha Workheiser with us. She is the president and founder of Reclaim Story, helping women reclaim their story after a painful past. And a little bit of a drum roll, she's also the weekly podcast host of Living the Reclaimed Life. And Denisha, you brought it to my attention that today is National Podcast Day. Yes. Right. Who comes up with these things? (laughs) I don't know. Yesterday was National Coffee Day.
1: Today is National Podcasting Day. So and Patty, I just have to tell you, I have been binge listening to your show. Like you had Jamie on at the end of August, and I think I'm pretty sure that she had a copy of my journal as she was talking about things (laughs) she's experienced. And I was like, this is so great. I, You know, I I love your brother. He's just such a dear friend of mine. And he kept saying, you guys have to meet. And now I'm like, yes, I now know why. So happy podcasting day. Thank you for what you do, because it has really ministered to me over the past week. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you for that. And a big shout out to Jamie. Yes, I absolutely loved, loved her her story. And we've had you on before. And we have an episode where you're sharing how your story was reclaimed. So for those of you listening to this one, I hope you go back and find uh, the episode of Placed with a Purpose. And this is interesting that we're doing this whole thing about talking about podcasts because I'm shifting my podcast. It's been Girlfriend It forever. I started um, with my uh, co-founder in 2009, and we now have both men and women listening. And uh, I I had a dear friend talking about he was was mopping the floor and listening to Girlfriend It. And he goes, who have I become? I'm mopping the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to girlfriend. <laughs> I, he goes, K, do we really have to say that name? And so I'm transitioning to your it uh, which kind of goes to you know your purpose, uh, what what God is doing in your in your life. Um, so with that, I want to talk about your it uh, because we we went ahead and we said, you know what what is it's funny when you do podcasts. You're always like, okay, what? what's my bottom line? Like, what story do, do people want to hear? What will be transformational to them? And where will they connect? And uh, you had made the comment, like, what are you going to stand for? And I think that's such a significant topic right now because I know for me, I will have guests on and I sometimes feel like I'm walking on eggshells because they'll go down a path and I'm like, oh oh I'm gonna get feedback on this one <laughs> it's like stay away from politics stay away from and and yet if I really am standing for that, then why do I feel like I need to walk on eggshells um, and and it's it's probably because, if, if it's done in 30 minutes, sometimes it's done in about 25 minutes. It's hard to unpack everything of, of, of what's happening. And one thing that you said is that, you know, I'm not arguing with your opinion. Um, it's hard. How did you say? It? You said it, it's hard to argue with my experience. Like, forget the politics, forget the opinions here. This is my experience. And you have, a, a crazy, I, first of all, Denisha, this is the first time we've met. And like you said, my brother, he's the one, I, I know so many people in his life and it's rare that I get to put the name um, to the face and I love whoever he loves and he's just my person and he's talked about you being his person. And I, it's just so cool because I already feel like there's this this heart partnership <laughs> that we have and we're both passionate for helping women And with with your story on reclaiming your story, that is what you have decided to stand for. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you get to that point when you decided this is it? This is my calling?
1: Yeah, you know, it was interesting. Um, God really did some deep heart work in me. And the word that he used during that time that just kept coming up. You know, if you buy a Honda Civic, and you start driving down the road. You see every Honda Civic. Yes. And God put the word reclaimed in my heart. Every, I mean, and you think of reclaim, you think of wood or water, right? Mm-hmm. Like reclaimed wood, we're going to make something new out of it or water, right? Don't drink that. Yeah. <laughs> and so when God put the word reclaimed in my heart, um, the, one of the first things I did was look it up in the dictionary. And what it means, this is so amazing. It means to rescue from an undesirable state. And more to a previous natural state. And I remember when I read that, just thinking that's Genesis to Revelation, right? That is God. God is in the business of reclaiming our story. He mm. rescues and he restores. And when it says restores to the previous natural state, that's to me, that was walking with God in the cool of the day. That Mm. was Adam and Eve in the garden. And before harm came to our stories, before we experienced, you know, the the things that life brings at us, God had an original intent for us. Mm. And that word reclaim just became a passion of mine. And so we launched, so it started as a blog and this was in um, 2019, we launched a blog called Reclaim reclaimed story. And I knew that, you know, you just feel those things in your heart, like there's something more. Mm -hmm. And our passion was, like you said, to help women reclaim their story from a painful past. And that's, I believe that's done through a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And so as we were stepping into that, I could feel there was something else. So I began praying, I think one of the most dangerous prayers I've ever prayed. And that was, God, what are we going to stand for? Like, we're going to stand for Jesus no matter what. But what are we going to stand for? And there were two things that was coming to my head at the time was, one, we have an amazing pregnancy center here in Tucson. Where are we going to support them? Where are we going to stand for babies? Where are we going to stand for helping women come out of sex trafficking? Those are the two things. That was like the best I could come up with, right? Like, okay, Lord, is it this or this? What are we going to stand for? And two weeks later, it just happened to be um, – in January. It was around my daughter's birthday and we were staying at a hotel in Phoenix. And as I share how God answered this prayer, I just want to say, um, we're going to talk about something emotional here. Um, we're going to talk about a subject that can be very divisive. Um, and Patty, as you said that, you know, we don't want to argue with people's opinions. I just want to share my story and share my experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so this is my, my experience. And in, we're sitting in this um, spot at this hotel and it happened to be right around the time that the New York law had passed um, mm-hmm. the reproductive health act that allowed abortion up to nine months of pregnancy. And my justice button was kind of pushed in my heart. And mm-hmm. so I was sitting there talking to my husband and I was like, you know, how, how is this possible? You know, how do we get here? And I'm kind of lamenting and he's an amazing soul. When I get something, you know, when I get something in my gut, I'll start to like entrepreneur myself to death. What if we start an organization that could do this? What about this? What about this? Now, remembering two weeks earlier, I had just launched a ministry and I'm praying, God, what are we going to stand for?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So in the middle of that super patient conversation with my husband, the thought pops in my head twice. Ask your dad if your mom ever considered having an abortion with you, right? Right. The first time I thought, I'm sure she did. And you know, it was nineteen, she conceived me in seventy five, you know, Roe versus Wade went in seventy three. It was legal. California. I thought, I'm sure she did. The second time it popped in my head, I said to my husband, I wonder if my mom considered having an abortion with me. And just kinda came out. Like I had no I'm thinking this
0: is just thoughts randomly popping yeah. in my head. But where, where did those thoughts come from? Why cause I would never think, Oh gosh, I wonder if my mom ever considered that. Like Right? Yeah,
1: me neither. Yeah. Thank- Yes. And so I, I really, I know now that it was the Lord. Yeah. At that time, I was just having random thoughts in the middle of trying to solve all the world's problems sitting in a spa at a hotel in Phoenix, right? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, what a weird thought to have. And it didn't even really cross my mind as weird, right? So I say to my husband, I'm like, I wonder if my mom ever considered having an abortion. And he goes, honey, I'm sure she did. And I'm like, yeah, she probably did, huh? But she didn't. And he's like, babe, think about it. She was in trouble with the law when she conceived me. Big trouble. She was about to do possible jail time. Um, She had an 18-year-old daughter at home, no kids in between. She was not married. And there was just a lot happening in her life. It wasn't a great time to, like, bring a baby in the world, right? So I said, I'm sure she considered it. But she didn't, and we moved on. So about, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes later, we're getting ready to leave the pool area. And Patty, I know, you know, this. those moments when you're like, this is so God. And I put my hand, I threw my towel in the little wicker basket and I went to open the gate and I felt like the Lord said, stop and step back. Like I stepped back from the gate physically. And I really was impressed to ask your dad if your mom ever considered having an abortion with you. And the thought was like, don't go through this gate. Stop now. So I sent my husband and my daughter up to the room and I have no emotion on this except for being hot and mad about the New York law, okay? And so I sat down on a lawn chair, and I remember think, contemplating, right? I remember I heard a pastor say one time, an idol is anything you have to check in with before you do what God is asking you to do. And I had a fear of man that rose up right there. So to kind of paint a picture of my dad and I's relationship, um, I saw him when I was 11 years old, um, was the last time I saw him. And at this point, I'm 40, about to turn 41, okay? And so I saw him when I was 11, and I saw him when I was 40. So 30 years, you know, because I was about to turn 41, 30 years had passed. I had not seen my biological dad. Wow. This is two years later. So we have a fairly new relationship, a budding relationship, and I'm about to text him and ask him if my mom ever considered having an abortion with me. And so I had to check in with that. And I just think of it as an idol because it wasn't something that I was like, I'm going to be obedient. I knew it was God, but I really had to check in with my heart there. And so I wrestled. What if what if he doesn't want to talk to me anymore? You know, I spent my whole life longing for a daddy, you know, and I'm like, what if he doesn't want to talk to me anymore? What if, you know, and then I finally thought, you know, this isn't you this is totally the Lord. This is time three. So I texted my dad and my exact text to him actually was, um, dad, I have a weird question to ask you. I don't know why I want to know this, but did you and mom ever consider having an abortion with me? You're not going to hurt my feelings no matter what. Love you. Send. And the minute I hit send, this relief came over my heart. Like I can't even describe like you're done. And I went on with our day. We went shopping. I wasn't checking my phone constantly. I don't know. It was the weirdest moment. I wasn't like worried. At that point, it was like, ah, I did what I felt like the Lord was asking me to do. Had no clue why. So yeah, that, so I sent that text. And three hours later, we're standing in Culver's in Casa Grande. And I personally believe you can't drive to or from Phoenix without stopping and getting ice cream.
0: Um, (laughs) Just a value find. Ditto, ditto. (laughs) So we're
1: sitting in Culver's and I had cheese curds in one hand, my concrete mixer in the other, and my phone in my right hand, like kind of pushed up against the cheese curds. And we're walking to our table and my phone goes off. And this is like three hours later. And I catch a glimpse of the text and it says, you don't know, do you? And I thought, uh uh-oh. So I sit, I, I click on it and it says, you don't know, do you? She didn't just consider having an abortion. She tried twice. Didn't you ever wonder why we called you the miracle baby? Mm. And Patty, I will tell you that all all of the emotions in my body just went out. It felt like somebody like I went, my limbs went numb. I just sort of sat down in a booth that wasn't even ours and just processed what does that mean? And a single wave of emotion, it was like rejection, abandonment in a weird way came up for me like what else in my life was a lie. You know, I'm 42 years old and I find this out like was I ever loved? Was I ever wanted? Like everything that I knew to be true suddenly came into question. Yeah. And that was not that was probably probably one of the hardest things
0: that I that I just sort of sat in for a few minutes there. Mm-hmm. What what does that mean? She tried twice. Like what does one do to, were you curious about that? Cause I, I would want to know the rest of that. You're like, Oh, what do you mean? Yeah. Cause you think like the first thing I thought is, is that a thing? Yeah. You know, and that's what most you people try
1: think. like, yeah, is that a thing? And if she tried twice, why am I here? Yeah. You no, know, I have three children. Like they wouldn't be here. Like all of that just sort of crashed into me at the same time. And so I called my dad later on that afternoon and asked that exact question, Um, how, how, what, why, what, what? Um, And he said that she found out she was pregnant in October of 75. And in November, she realized, you know, no, I don't want to keep this baby. So she took what was at the time an off the market abortion pill. Mm. And she she had ways to get that because of her, um, like I said, she was in trouble at the wall at the time. So she took those pills and, um, that should have terminated the pregnancy mm. a month later in December to her shock and my dad's shock. Um, she was still pregnant. So she went to Cedar sinai hospital to her doctor, um, in California, and she had a DNC abortion
0: mm.
1: and that was in December. She thinks everything is fine. The doctor, you know, said everything was complete. February, she finds out she's still pregnant. And at the time in the state of California, it was too late. She was too far along to have another procedure. So my parents got married in April. I was born full term in July. And when I asked – and they got divorced, I think, by September. Um, But the – I remember asking my dad, and I said, how? I don't understand. I know what a DNC is, you know, and any tissue that's in a woman's uterus is is taken out. I don't understand. Yeah. And he said, we think it was one of two things. Either one, you had a twin. Uh, Or – Two, the doctor was tired of performing abortion procedures on your mom because she was using that as a form of birth control. Mm. And he just decided to let her live this one out. He said, those are the only two things that we can think of. So Um, she
0: had already been in several other times with this and you didn't know about that either.
1: No, no.
0: Yeah, And in fact, she had had
1: one in July. Um, she found out she was pregnant with me in October. She had just had a procedure done in July. So yeah, that was finding that information out was, and my dad said, that's why we called you a miracle baby. And I remember saying to him, but all babies are miracles. I just thought I was a miracle like every baby, but that was why they particularly said that. And, um, my sister's amazing and she's 18 years older than I am. And so first thing I did was call her cause I have a new relationship with my dad and just wanted to, Hey, is this, do you remember anything about this? And she told me, yes, she mm. remembered that. And she said, I never wanted you to know that. Why are you digging up stuff on our family? Yeah. And I said, this is God's fault. Like, <laughs> like this was God. <laughs> I didn't want to know this and not at 42, right? Like talk about a midlife crisis. Um, and so, yeah, and my sister confirmed that she knew about it. And um, so, yeah, so boy, let that sink in at 42. Yeah. Right? And, you know, if I'm really honest, I was very angry with God
0: mm-hmm,
1: because mm-hmm. that was clearly God's revelation that led to me knowing that. Um, and I was very angry. I was like, why would you do this? Like, how strong do you think I am, you know, to have gone through other things in my life and now at 42 to wrestle with this? Yeah, it took, it took a little while. Um, and then I remember one day when it sort of like hit um, and I thought, I'm praying, what are we going to stand for? And this come this comes to light. And so at that moment, um, I realized some way, somehow, as reclaiming women's past, we were going to stand for life. And if we're going to have Jesus reclaimed our story, but we don't always live that reclaimed life. We don't always live out what he did for us. And so that we are going to stand for life. And that is that's how he answered my prayer. And that is a very dangerous prayer. I can
0: say that. (laughs) Yes, a very dangerous prayer. And after having you on another episode and then hearing your story with this, uh, life is dark but you've had some, some deep darkness. I, I just have to throw it out there. <laughs> I know you're the mom of three. Um, what do you do for fun, Denisha? Like, what do you, cause you're, you're such a playful, like temperament that when I, I see you, I can see your joy. And I, I know that is Jesus, but I also, I, you know, you're working, you're doing, you're the president, you founded the, you know, reclaiming your story. Um it it's it's hard sometimes when you're it, like you said, it's just these emotions that get evoked. Well what do you do for fun?
1: <laughs> Where do you play? Okay, so can I say at 45, I'm learning how to play. Um play is one of my values, but workaholism, workaholicism, is that a word workaholicism? I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make it, we're gonna claim it there you go <laughs> we'll add
1: that we'll email Webster um, yeah being being a workaholic has been a thing for me since yeah. I was 16 17 years old and I never understood that so I am redeeming my workaholism uh, but yeah I'm, I'm learning how to play at 45 um even with kids now that are older I love nature I feel that I'm trying to find things that what fills me up because we work with trauma all day that's yeah. what right and so finding nature is huge for me getting out in a hike with my kids playing building a fort with our 10 year old and climbing in and like that is I think play is one of my favorite things besides reading like trauma books which I'm realizing is part of the workaholism but um yeah that's I think I'm really just learning that I think the perfectionism piece is how I overcame a lot of trauma it was a coping mechanism for me yeah and that Played out in my work life, and so I'm really just learning that. Um, but yeah, play, play in nature. I think are my two funds in my kiddos. Yeah. Uh,
0: I think that's so interesting as well as helpful for people to even. It's a, I think it's a blind spot for quite a few people who have dealt with some of the things that you've dealt with. Perfectionism is huge, right? Because you've had all this happen and and now I'm going to perfect my life. I'm going to perfect my kids. I'm going to um work at it continuously because I I can control this part of my life. And I know I, I think it's also a temperament to be able, and that's why God picked you, and that's why you were able to go, what what am I going to stand for? is because he knew that you could, your temperament could handle it. Cause sometimes I know with, with my husband, I feel like he's so strong and he can handle anything. And I would tell him story after story after story, as I worked with a lot of women in sex trafficking. And one time we were just sitting out on the patio talking and I was sharing what somebody's, you know, was sharing what their father had done to them. And finally he goes, we have to talk about something else. There is no way that this many fathers have done this much damage to their daughters and, and it, it you know he was right it was like I, I it was a blind spot I didn't realize I was sharing this stuff over and over and over again story after story after story and he, he was like okay you have to change the way your brain is thinking because like you said you're reading these books of, of trauma." And it's how we can take it and we look at the transformation of what can happen. But sometimes it's easy for people to get stuck in that and go, I need to hear another story. I need to play. I need to find find some fun. Uh, So what would you say if you could give a tip um, to those that have dealt with so much of the darkness? What tip would you give them?
1: You know, I would say, um, you know, as we talked about earlier, that this is a sensitive topic, you know, with abortion, right? I would say that if you know someone who's had an abortion or if you've had an abortion, I would just say there is nothing too far from God's grace and healing. Compassion. Mm-hmm. I feel so much compassion for my mom and the situation she found herself mm-hmm. in and the decisions she was trying to make. Um, that there is nothing beyond God. And I would just say, even if it's dark, right, even if parts of your story are hard and dark, I would say embrace, embrace those parts of your story and seek, seek healing. There's so many different resources out there um, for women who have lost a child to abortion. Um, I would just say allowing God to heal those places and not locking them down because yeah. that to, you know, the perfectionism, the all, so many different coping mechanisms we have. And mm-hmm. I would say nothing is too far from God's grace and love and rec-
0: reclamation. Yeah. Well, you you talk about... Um, well, we started out by saying it's your story, it's your experience. Like people can't judge that, right? But we can judge it when we get into politics and we talk about our opinion. And I know it it does evoke an emotion. And right now, you know, you have the Twitter mob and Instagram where we're just retweeting and and re sharing something that we we're not even educated on. And and I know, especially I have a 20 year old daughter, and I see you know some of her friends that will just throw out. You know, it's used as health care, you know, having an abortion. There's there's things where I want to go, OK, but you need to educate yourself on that. And without going into the whole political realm, I just want to say you're going to Washington, D.C. You're going to the Capitol in January. So even though we just have three minutes here, so you just can you give us that thumbnail version of what you're doing when you go to D.C.? Yes. Um, So I Googled
1: um, do people survive abortions after I found out my story and I found an incredible network, the Abortion Survivors Network. And so I got plugged in with them. We have connected with over 400 survivors worldwide and there's tens and tens of thousands, um, but we've connected with over 400 and I get to be their healing program coordinator. So I get to help walk these survivors through um, healing and freedom. And what we're going to do is a bunch of survivors are going to the March for Life in January and we are going to come together there and we get to go and we get to meet um, you know, different people who are involved in legislation. And we get to share our stories. um, Because I think that as survivors, we have a way to humanize the unborn, Mm -hmm. like nothing else can. And so I'm really thankful for that opportunity. And I'm also through the Abortion Survivors Network, I'm able to travel um, the country and speak and share my story at different places. And um, so it's been really neat. So yeah, we're going to the Hill in January. So lots, lots of fun stuff coming up for next year.
0: Yes. And And with that, I I would like to just suggest for those of you that are listening where you felt like God was really just tugging on your heart, you can find Anisha by going where? Go ahead and share that because I know you you are helping 62 million women uh, get over their shame. Uh, Share how you can help some of these women that are dying right now hearing this story how oh, the best way to connect with us is reclaimedstory.com.
1: If you go to our website, you can email us. Um, and you can also email at connect at reclaim We're on Facebook and Instagram as reclaimed story. And then also our podcast, living the reclaimed life. Awesome.
0: Thank you for that. And you had mentioned, uh, you know, if, if you're there, if you're listening and you know of someone or it's happened to you or I, you, you made the comment about maybe you even have driven someone to a clinic, like that's all a part of some of that like, oh, uh, so I, I encourage you to reach out and talk to Denisha. And thanks again, Denisha. It's been an honor having you on the show. And with that, subscribe to Girlfriend It and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.